Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Go in with your eyes wide open, trust but verify, and hold your team really close to your chest and make sure that everybody's willing to dig through the trenches with you. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing? Maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fun That Flip. You know Fun That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. I hope you're having a best ever weekend because it is Saturday. We're doing a special segment called Situation Saturday You know what this is, right? You're a loyal best ever listener. But in case you forgot, this is about putting our guests in a challenging situation or having them relive a challenging situation and how they got out of it and the lessons learned along the way. We have a phenomenal returning guest with us. In fact, episode 476 titled, For Five Years He Failed Until He dot dot dot. And you can go listen to that if you didn't already. But don't do that yet. Listen to this conversation first with Avi Gohard. How are you doing? Good, Joe. Thanks for having me back. My name should just be ID476. I think that's what we should do. (laughs) (laughs) You can get it. I can see the tattoo already. We can put it up behind the best ever logo and everything. A little bit more... You are the managing director of Summit and Crown, which is a real estate investment firm in Atlanta. Also the host of the Real Estate Deal Talk and the full-time investor in real estate and contributor in Forbes and Inc. magazine based in Hotlanta, Georgia. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and then just roll right into the challenging situation. Yeah, a little bit about my background, Joe. Electrical engineering at the University of Michigan, go blue. And I started investing right then. It's been now 
about 15 years, 2002, 2003, I started investing in inner city Detroit. Didn't start with a whole lot of capital, not a silver spooner. Quite frankly, my parents didn't even know that I was investing in inner city Detroit. Initially started with wholesaling real estate and worked my way up, built some cash up, got into a couple projects, failed in Detroit. And I think that's where you should go listen to episode 476, but listen to this one first. And that's how my education started. I could have just said, I'm not going to do real estate or invest in real estate anymore because I was super scared, but I didn't. I pulled myself back up and I just went at it and I was fearless, absolutely fearless. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey ever since and making mistakes and successes along the way. So the challenging situation that I had was a couple of years ago, my partner and I purchased 646 East Avenue in Atlanta, Georgia. That's a home that was a existing single family home in a community, a little neighborhood called Old Fourth Ward before Old Fourth Ward got super, super hot like Hotlanta. And we purchased it right for about 235, 240. And our plans were to build on it. It was going to be a beautiful 2200 square foot home, about a four bedroom, three and a half bathroom, modern home. I'll send you all the plans, link to the PDFs in the show notes for sure. And it was an interesting deal. We had a lot of back and forth with the city. And the biggest challenge that we had was the lender was just not up to par. It was so obnoxious working with this lender. It was so bad. And we just didn't do our due diligence enough. Real quick, you bought the land for 235 or was it a knockdown and you were going to build or were you going to renovate? Yeah, great question. It was an existing single family. We're going to knock down and build new. Okay, existing single family. You're going to knock down, build new. Did you buy with cash, the 235, or did you use this lender to close the transaction initially? We purchased with the lender. So we raised our own equity. So we put our own cash in the deal and we took out a loan for the acquisition and the new build. Total cost of that was right around five twenty, five twenty-five. Okay, you raised money to have the equity for the down payment and miscellaneous things on the loan, and then you got a loan with the lender for the purchase and the build. Yes, you got okay. it. Okay, then what happened? Tell us. Well, this is where doing your due diligence, not only on the deal helps. We had that down. I'll walk through that in a second. But it's also doing your due diligence and your homework on the lender. The biggest challenge that we had with this lender is this was this lender's first time investing in a single family, a new construction project out of state. So the lender was actually in New York and New Jersey, and they were looking at doing new construction deals or lending on them in the Southeast. And they had heard about us from a couple of other local lenders that we knew. And we said, you know what, let's give it a shot. We got on the phone with them. They sounded like great folks. And we said, great, let's go ahead and make it happen. What's interesting, though, is, as you know, Joe, with new construction projects, it takes time. You have to get permits. You have to get variances sometimes. You have to go back and forth with the city on red lines, which are corrections to the original plans in order to get your permits. At the time, the city of Atlanta, Fulton County, was just running a little bit behind. This was as the market was really heating up. And they started running a little bit behind. They were getting delayed on a couple of things. So it took our permits instead of generally a good run rate of about four to six weeks to get it took five and a half to six months to get. Oh, 
any lender would have a hard time with that. Yes. And so what we did was we started communicating all the time. And we got on conference calls, we shot out emails saying, hey, this is what's going on with the city. And the city of Atlanta has what's called a BB number. What that is, it's essentially a tracking number associated with that particular project. Kind of like a FedEx tracking number or a USPS tracking number for your mail delivery. So they were checking that out and I said, hey, you know what? It's taking a little bit longer. The city's backed up. We're getting red lines back. We're addressing them as soon as possible. But they weren't really happy about that. And considering that it was the lender's first go around, they got really jittery. And they said, hey, you know what? We might just call the loan due, right, if this activity continues because you're not making progress. Hmm. Oh, my gosh. How much was the loan for? We brought 20% down on 525. So let's say roughly 410, 415,000 probably. Got it. You know? And the terms are was the that terms when, are okay. When, when they initially mentioned that to you, as far as Mike calling the loan due, was that over the phone, in email, or in person? I imagine it wasn't in person since they're not where you are. Yeah, it was over the phone. I'm the lender, you're you. I just told you we might call the loan due if you don't start showing some progress. What'd you say? Did you stammer like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's exactly, I'm like... come on. I mean, I get it. Believe me, I understand. If I was a borrower, I would put myself in their shoes. I'm like, listen, let me put myself in your shoes for a second. This thing is taking far too long. I understand. Is the borrower communicating with me? That's like the first two things that I'm looking at. One, is your position secured? Yeah, you're in a first position on the property. No big deal. But is it taking longer than it should? Yes. Is the borrower communicating with me as much as possible and letting me know what's going on every step of the way. Yes. Okay. Then that should give me some level of comfort, but it doesn't take me all the way home. And I get that, but we were also not being confrontational about it in saying, Oh, whatever. You're a terrible lender. We're not going to pay the note anymore. We weren't doing that. We're like, Hey, we will continue paying this note. We believe in the project. Let's do an extension. We'll pay the extra points. I think it was like a half a point or a point to extend. No problem. We'll take care of that too. But give us the opportunity to extend and see the project through to completion. They didn't want to do that. And I said, okay, you want to call the loan due? How much time do we have? And they said, over the phone, they're like, you have about 45 days to offload it. I said, all right, we can fly up to you. What do I need to do? And Walt was on the phone with me too. He's my business partner. and He's my right-hand man in Atlanta. We were both like dumbfounded. We're like, are you kidding me? Because this has never happened to us before. <laughs> like we're usually on top of mm-hmm. stuff. And I will take that responsibility on my shoulders to one, I didn't do enough due diligence on the lender. And two, we should have been probably more aggressive with the city. And I get that. There's only so much we could have done, but it's still my responsibility to make sure that this thing is expedited. We even had an expediter at the city as well that was on these conference calls, letting the lender know what was going on. So the lender dropped that bomb and said, hey, you know what? 45 days out. All right. That's what we got to do. So we scrambled. We put the package together. We said, okay, at the time, we would have made $200,000 on this deal because even our all-in cost was roughly around five sixty five seventy five on a worst case. Uh-huh. We had comps between seven fifty and seven sixty five seven seventy in that neighborhood. 
with days on market less than 15. So I knew that the deal was good. I knew it because we're not going to buy stuff that's crappy. That's never, ever, ever the case. And you invest in multifamily, so you understand numbers are everything, the team is everything, the lender is everything. Mm-hmm. So package the deal. We finally got permits. And we went back to the lender and we said, we have permits. Let us build. Let us do this. And they're like, nope, sorry. We don't want anything to do with you or the project. Wow. Okay. How did they say it? Obviously, that was basically what they said. But again, is this over phone calls or emails? Just so we get an idea of what it's like to be corresponding during this time. It was phone calls followed by email. So what we did was we took the notes from the phone call and said, this is what's going on, just so we had everything documented for our records. And then we said, hey, is this what was agreed or is what was discussed on the phone call? And they responded and said, yes, please advise how you'd like to move forward. Because it was either we sell it or they were going to foreclose because they didn't want to have anything to do with it even after we got the build and after we got the demolition permits and build permits. And at that point in time, we were probably month seven and a half. So we would definitely have to get an extension and they weren't going to have any of it. I said, okay, no problem. We have two options. First option is let's find another lender to do it. Second option is let's just wholesale it off. Whichever one hits first, that's what we'll do. And we wholesaled it off. What's crazy is we followed back up with the deal. They bought it for payoff plus about 15000 So we made a little bit of money, not a whole lot. And then we had the cost of permits and things like this. We made, I don't know, maybe 100 or $200 on it. They ended up selling it for nine ten. <laughs> you have no idea how frustrating <laughs> that is for me, Joe. I'm about to fly to Cincinnati to grab a beer and just like keep drinking with you because that's how frustrating. I still talk about that deal even today, and it's just like, man. And like I said, I'm still willing to take the responsibility. But Jim Rohn said it best, right? He said, "All you can do is all you can do, and if you are doing exactly that." then you have nothing to worry about. But I felt like I had everything to worry about in the the entire world. But you know what? Sometimes all you can do is all you can do. And you have so many external factors, the state of Atlanta, the permitting process, it's just taking forever. All you can do is all you can do. Just move and shake to the best of your ability. What was it like communicating with your investors during those five to six months that you were waiting to get permits? They understood because they had invested with us before and they had full confidence in our ability to perform, which we did on the permits, but then we didn't on the build. And then once we wholesaled it off, we said, you know what? We don't need any profit on it. We'd like to, but we're going to make sure our investors get paid off first. Mm -hmm. And they did. Knowing what you know now, if a similar situation presented itself, how would you approach finding or screening the lender? There are two things that I do. One, I would have a conversation about the neighborhoods and I would pay very close attention to what they know and what they don't know about the city. Like what? I would say, hey, Joe, what do you think about Kirkwood Atlanta right now? And you would give me a response. I'd ask you a couple of additional questions about the city of Atlanta, what your thoughts were, why Atlanta, how many deals have you done here before? Are you doing any deals currently? Are you lending on any opportunities currently? Can I drive by that? Can I meet some of the borrowers that you have in Atlanta, shake their hands? I would have done that a little bit more more upfront work. And quite frankly, I'd probably just go after a local lender. (laughs) We Mm -hmm. had two local lenders lined up. We wanted to try these folks, but that's what I'd do a little differently next time. Mm -hmm. Were their terms a little bit better than the local lender? There had to be something that pushed you over to them initially compared to local people. The local lenders, they were really, really tied down with some of the deals that they had currently going. And they had pretty much all capital 
allocated for deals already. And we got better terms from these folks. I'll just call them Northeastern lenders. That's not the name of the company, but just to identify them. So Northeastern lenders had better rates and more available cash. Local lenders just didn't at the time because they were tied down. So I'm like, hey, you know what? Makes sense. We got to move on this property because we know we can make money on it. And I suppose in hindsight, moving that fast isn't also a good thing because it didn't give us the time to ask the questions of the lender that we needed to. What condition was the property and when you wholesaled it? We had started demo on that property and we finished demo and we sold it as a demoed lot and that was it. There were no footings. There was nothing there. It was just a plain old lot. What do you think it costs based on what you've seen the finished product looking like with the final thing? What do you think it costs them to build all in costs just to get an idea of their profit? Oh my gosh. We wholesale it off to a really good builder. So I know that their cost was roughly around $92, $95 a square foot for 2,200 square feet. And even worst case, right? Worst case, if they spend $100, $105 just to make it a little nice. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, they're, ah. That's all. Yes, that's 220000 if it's a dollar a square foot. And then you've got the acquisition cost, which was five. How much was that? Acquisition was roughly about two fifty. Oh, right. So they, yeah, they probably two fifty doubled. New build at two twenty. Oh yeah, totally doubled up. Anything else as it relates to this particular story that you think is relevant for the best ever listeners? I would say go in with your eyes wide open, trust but verify, and. Hold your team really close to your chest and make sure that everybody's willing to dig through the trenches with you. And that's when you really know at the end of the day that you have a team, that one person, two people, three people that are willing to make it happen for you, even if it's at two o'clock in the morning, because I cannot tell you how many times Walt and I talked and it was after hours, one thirty-two, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. Just having that reassurance and being able to sleep at night, knowing that everything's going to be okay means the world to me. I noticed that when you said the types of questions you'd ask the lender, one of the things you didn't mention, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, is asking them, hey, if the project's supposed to take four to six weeks to get permit approvals, but it takes five to six months, how are you going to react? Yeah, that's a really good question for next time, too. That's without a shadow of a doubt something that we ask all lenders moving forward, especially from that experience. That was a great call. I just didn't bring that up. I don't know why. (laughs) Got it. Makes sense. Well, hey, I love our conversations. Thank you for being on the show. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? You're very welcome, Joe. Thanks for having me. The best way to get in touch is to go to realestatedealtalk.com. Easy enough. Super simple. Go listen to Real Estate Deal Talk podcast as well. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking about lessons learned from 646 East Avenue in Atlanta, Georgia, in the old, what is that submarket called? Old Fourth. Fourth, fourth Ward. Fourth Ward. There you go. Fourth. You got it. And you got it. So the lessons are, many of them, some of them I wrote down, do the due diligence on the lender, have a conversation about the neighborhoods, make sure they're comfortable with it, perhaps lean towards a local lender on these types of deals and have a point blank question about, hey, if I'm running behind for permitting reasons because the city is running behind, how are you going to react to it? As you said, trust but verify and hold your team 
close to your chest and make sure you're all a tight-knit group. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best-ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.